but I know God is here. That's all that is necessary. Amen. I am indeed very delighted. I was actually tearing up at the worship. It's probably one of the best worships I've been in a long time. I was just soaking it all in. It was just wonderful. Very anointed. In fact, what worship can do, 10,000 sermons can't. Because just uh, when God shows up, there's no telling what, what can happen. And even tonight, I'm expecting um, some breakthroughs and some words of the Lord that would come to you that you've been wanting in season. And so, let's dive into it. Amen? I'm going to be reading from a passage that you are very familiar. Um, and so, I'm going to read it even if it's familiar. I'm going to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he had covered his face. With two he had covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, then one of the seraphims flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with thongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. And I heard, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, tell this people. You probably heard many sermons on it, so have I. But tonight I just want to take this passage and treat it slightly differently, because most often they elude this passage towards missions and going out, and, and that is true. But tonight I just wanted to bring us to another uh, understanding of who this God is. Is that all right this evening? You see, this passage starts off saying, in the year King Uzziah died. In the year. What was so important about that year? I mean, who was this guy anyways? Why 
did Isaiah have to write this or say it that in the year King Uzziah died? Why couldn't it be two years before? Why couldn't it be ten years later? But why was that special for the year King Uzziah died? Is someone listening to me? Because there was a situation, and I'd like to bring that to us this um, evening, a historical perspective, which we call exegesis, so that we can enjoy this context and speak from it. Amen? You see, when King Isaiah went and ascended to the throne, he was about 15 years old. At that time, the children of Israel were at a very low point. Their morale was very low, and they became a point of uh, mocking by the neighboring countries. And so it, they were at a very low place. But this King Uzziah, at 15 years old, when he ascended to the throne, he started to grow in wisdom and stature. And he became a very righteous king. And in that process, as he grew, so did his influence. So did his power. So did the flourishing of the economy. And Israel became a very prosperous country in his reign. And so now what had happened is in that process, the people, the citizens, were in a very good place. Now, no longer they were the uh, reference of uh, being ridiculed or mocked. Neither was uh, their morale very low. They were very, very high. Now, because this king became so powerful, very powerful, he uh, screwed up once. Now, how many of you have ever screwed up in your life? Now, th this guy, well, what did he do? I mean, what did he do? He, he went into the temple, and what was reserved for the priests to do, he usurped that responsibility as a king. Now, he's a king. He could do what he wants. But then he crossed the line of roles or responsibilities or the priestly duties. Y'all listening to me? So when he went into the temple and there he offered the sacrifice, which he should not have. And the chroniclers say it was possibly that very moment, that very moment, he got leprosy. So now he became a leprous king. And at that, that happening, the whole entire nation was shaken. I mean, there was a, a pall over the nation. They could not believe, why should a righteous king mess up like this? Are you with me? There was a kind of a mixed emotions in the whole nation. The only time that I know of any nation, as a whole nation... Uh, going into a grief or going into a situation where it affected everybody was when we had our 9-11 situation. Do you remember that? There was not one country from Hawaii to Puerto Rico where I haven't heard any conversation that did not relate to the 9-11. And they said, why did this happen? Where was God? Is God not good? If God was so powerful, why couldn't he stop this? You know, all kinds of conversations. Good? Well-placed questions, but misplaced in their answers. Are you with me? 
And so here they were in their mixed emotions. They were wondering if God is such a gracious God, why couldn't he prevent our king from getting this mess up? Are you with me? Why did not God intervene in that situation? Now, all this is exegesis. I'm not yet ready to preach. I'll tell you when I am. I'm just uh, setting the stage up. Is that all right? And so now here, these people were gripped with mixed emotions. And the mixed emotions were that they could easily explain the good, but somehow could not connect the dots with explaining the negative. It is very possible some of us are sitting here this evening have sort of mixed emotions. You know what is good and yet you don't know why good, bad happens to you. Or why you experience certain bad things that happen to you personally. Is somebody listening? Now I'm sure there are some people here who have experienced some negative experiences. Yes? But most of us can uh, remember those negatives, but not the positives of what God had done for us. And that's why I enjoyed when our brother came up and says, there's so much to thank God for. So much to thank God for. But we often don't gravitate towards the goodness of God. We gravitate towards the negatives. So this is not a positive power of positive thinking or that kind of a message. This is actually going to be a very... Uh, you know, God has given me a ministry of exhortation. That means making people uncomfortable. That's unfortunate. <laughs> and so this is going to be one of those messages. Is that all right? Yeah. And so now here, when the people were gripped with such uh, mixed emotions, they, the, the king was still on the throne. And the, the nation was still thriving. But again, the nations around started to pick on Israel, looking at the, uh, the recent tragedy. And then King Uzziah died. When King Uzziah died, the nation plunged into the depression. I'm not talking economic depression, but emotional depression. They plunged. They went into a dark place. And sometimes you and I, when we are holding on to something or looking at something, and that something is taken away or destroyed or removed from us, we are plunged into a darkness to wonder how are we going to be getting out of this mess? Or how are we going to be, or who's going to bail us out of this? Y'all listening to me. And so that when he died... His son, Jotham, yeah, he, got in, he went up to the throne, yes. But he was nowhere near King Uzziah. I mean, in his wisdom, in his stature, in everything. And it was too big a shoes for, King, uh, for Jotham to, uh, to handle at that time. And the whole nation was shaking. Amen? I don't know about you. I'm feeling a little warm. Is it okay if I take off this? That's how Louis does. Amen? Oh, I love Jesus. In that situation, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. 
I saw the Lord seated on the throne. Now there's a few things here that you and I need to really zero in on just to enjoy or experience what Isaiah saw. He says in that place, in that gloom, in that depression, in that very low place, he says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. Now, he is not talking about King Uzziah's throne. He was telling the people, you know, King Uzziah, he just lasted for a little while. But I saw the Lord who's seated on the throne and his throne is eternal, never being a threat, to a, a threat for his reign. He is king forever and ever and ever and ever. And that's the king that I saw on the throne, he says. Just to give you a little peek into who this king he saw, we see Isaiah um, alluding to this in Isaiah 40. It's one of my favorite chapters. If ever I'm lost or marooned in, a, in some island, and if I don't have the Bible, that's the chapter I'd like to have. It'll sustain me till Jesus came or till I made him. In that chapter, he gives us a glimpse of who this God is. You see, from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe, which is still in the process of creation, the galaxies, you know what God says? I spend the heavens. Now get the picture. I can't even span this music stand here this, this much. Can you imagine how huge I must be to span this? And how huge and awesome this God must be. So huge. And he says, I span the heavens. 120 million light years is the breadth of heavens that we know of. And light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And here we have a God that says, I span the heavens. That's my God. And then on the same chapter, he says, I put dirt on the weighing scale. And I pour it. And I make the Rockies and the Andes and the Swiss Alps and the Himalayan range. There's, man has not yet invented one weighing scale that could lift up a small hill in Boston. And here's God who says, I. What a strong God we have. What a strong God we have. Is somebody listening to me? You know, my wife is here with me. And sometimes she travels with me. Oh, my God. I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> we have a, a thing going between us. Every time I mention her name, I have to give her 10 bucks. <laughs> so, shoot. There goes my 10 bucks. Well, you know, whenever she comes, and here's the check-in counter about 50 feet away, and I'm going for a week with her, and I'm thinking, what in the world is she carrying in that suitcase? And I am sweating already and lifting that suitcase 50 feet to the check-in counter, and here God says in the book of Revelations, I hold seven stars in my hand and no sweat. That's my God. That's your God. That's the God that we worship. You see, this is that God. You know, the, the scripture says, well, maybe I can use this for a little bit. Is this 
stuck here. You know, scripture says the heavens is my throne and the earth is my footstool. I mean, God can kick the earth into oblivion and nobody can find it. That's my God. I mean, we are little twits on this speck on this big earth that we call and we think it's the center of the universe which is isn't and here we have the audacity to look at God and say why 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 not oh God could you not do this we have the arrogance amen and here God says the earth is my footstool you know can you take your left hand out like this? Like this. And put your right hand over and pass it over. You know, when you pass over, there's a little depth in your palm. It's called the hollow of your hand. What's it called? Now, she's a little girl here. How much water can you put in the hollow of your hand? About a teaspoon, maybe? Sure, she says that. How about him? How much water do you think you can have in the hollow of your hand? Two tablespoons. Two tablespoons. <laughs> this is unusual. Because, you know, he must be really domesticated. Because usually the guys will say, well, 10 ml or, you know, they quantify it by milliliters. Two tablespoons. That's 20 milliliters. Have you ever been to the beach here? And imagine you're looking at the beach. And God says, I have the Atlantic Ocean. I have the Pacific Ocean. I have the Indian Ocean. I have the South China Red Sea. And, uh, and all of the seas and all of the waters in the hollow of my hand. And that's just one hand. And this is my God. He says, I have all the waters in the hollow of my hands. Is somebody getting the picture now? That is the God that you're worshiping this evening. That is the God that we were worshiping this evening. That, if that doesn't inspire you, what could it? Because you and I need to have the same vision that Isaiah had. That my God, the Lord is seated on the throne. He is big. He is awesome. He is strong. Is there anything that God cannot do? That is the Lord that he saw on the throne. And when we started the worship, the spirit of worship says God can, when shows up, miracles, healing, those are fringe benefits. I mean, those are some cool things that happen naturally. But we are sitting here and wondering, oh my gosh, wow, ooh, goosebumps. I'm beyond goosebumps because I've seen a ton of those. Are you listening to me? I've seen a ton of those miracles. And it's, it is the perverse generation that follows those signs. Those signs should follow you. Those signs should follow me when we walk in the presence of God. When we walk with the presence of God. Amen. Stay right there. I haven't, I'm just launching right now. I'm getting excited.
Actually, I was going to preach on totally another message. I was going to talk about breakthroughs. But the last line of his that he said, you see the Lord seated on the throne. I said, oh my goodness, that's what I need to be speaking on. So that's how I shifted gears today. Is that all right? I mean, he's God. He can do anything he wants, right? Amen? He says, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. And then he says, oh my goodness, I could speak maybe three, four hours on this. I'm an Indian. It comes naturally to me. <laughs> you know, he says, when he saw the Lord seated on the throne, he said, the doors were shaken and the house was filled with smoke. When you get up there, there's no such thing as non-smoking. It's all smoking there. I mean, it's smoking good. Are you listening to me? And what was this about? What was that about? What was that picture? What was the symbolism here? And what was the connection? It's not even just pulling something from the air. Because the scripture explains what that smoke is. Are you with me? It's not simply uh, an, another spiritual discotheque over there with smoke machines coming up and light shows. And there is going to be a light show there, by the way. I mean, it's razzle-dazzle stuff, the kind of lights you have not ever seen. Amen? No prism can capture that. You see, when he saw God, seated on the throne when the saints that's you and me here when we pray the, the bowl gets filled and when the bowl gets filled the incense of the intercession goes up and when it goes up and fills that room God has no choice but to say I'm going to do something about this I know, I paraphrased that. It's all right. It's good to mess with you a little bit. When he stands up, because he says, my people have prayed. And that's what I like about IHOP. Pray for our city. Pray for the government. Pray for the nation. If saints keep praying, the incense rises. The throne room is filled. For some of us, intercession seems boring or repetitive or seems like far-fetched. Seems like it's not hitting anything. But you have no idea that every feeble prayer, even in a state of unbelief, is filling that bowl. And when that bowl fills up, and when the smoke rises up, there is the voice of God that looks and says, my people have cried. My people have cried. Y'all with me? This is not a woman's thing. When you talk about intercessional, what, 20 women come up and two guys. For real, this is a, there's nothing more fascinating than seeing God answer prayers, guys. There's nothing more cool than that. Are you with me? For you being involved in the life, 
in that presence of how God does stuff. Amen? But that's just a small part. You know, he says, and the train of his robes filled the temple. The train of his robes filled the temple. It's not one of those angels coming with a gigantic, you know, one of those blowers blowing those robes of his and just flying about. Really, that robes that was so filling gave the impression of the majesty of God. You see, when you see the majesty of God. See, America does not know anything about monarchy. They know about democracy. But if you go to the nations who have experienced monarchy, they know exactly what it means to serve a king. They know what it is to know what, who a king is and what the subjects are. And the subjects are subject. You see? It's not like some of us who have the independent spirit that says, okay, give me 10 reasons and then I'll probably think about it and do it. In monarchy, that doesn't happen that way. If the king says do it, you do it and then ask for 10 reasons. Are you listening to me? But you and I have the audacity in this nation to give us 10 reasons as to why we should follow you, oh God, or why we should do this. And that is the intellectual audacity of people just because, hey, I got my masters too, so. In those days, I used to argue with God. God is beyond argument. There is nothing that you can argue with God. Are you listening to me? He's beyond reason. He's beyond logic. He's beyond rationale. As you and I would think, if God, if this is not so like God, what the heck are you talking about? This is not so like God. God is so like God. Outside of our rationale. Is somebody listening to me? Amen? If God says this, do it. Do it. Unless someone says, go rob the bank. That's not God, of course. You know? Because when the king speaks. You see, even till today, when Queen Elizabeth goes in that little coach of hers, whoever, impromptu, on the street, they will bow before the queen. Even if they don't like the queen. They were, the women will do the curtsy before the queen, even if they don't like the queen. The majesty demands that. You see, when we come into worship, are you getting a grip of the majesty of God? Amen? The majesty of God. And today, beloved, I sense that the Lord wants to give some of us that personal glimpse of that majesty of God, that greatness of God. Because you've been praying and saying, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to feel you. And God's going to honor that today, some of you. Because there is that God who wants to reach out to the hunger that there is in some people's hearts this evening. And that's going to happen. Amen? And then when that scene finishes there he hears he sees all this and Isaiah 
without anybody talking to him, without anybody prompting, he says, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. Now, beloved, I have read that passage 50, 60, 70 times. Figure of speech, many, many, many times. And not once does it give me any indication, even in cross-referencing, that Isaiah belonged to some fisherman's family. Because fishermen, you know, every second word is punctuated with a very choice, colorful word. No foul words. I'm a man of unclean lips. Neither did I find that Isaiah had any, any past that would corrupt him to say that I'm a man of unclean lips. Y'all with me? And the second thing that he says, well, I'm not only a man of unclean lips, but I'm living with the people amidst of unclean lips. In Boston, there's a lot of people with unclean lips. Do you agree with me? Of course, I'm in Madison. What do I know? Wisconsin. Man of unclean lips. And I said, God, just give me some understanding on this one. Please, God. I mean, here is Isaiah, the prophet. You anointed him. He's been a prophet. And as a prophet, he is saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. Because a prophet is the one who speaks the words of God as if they were oracles of God, the mouthpiece of God. Is somebody listening to me? And he's saying, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then the Lord said, you know, because there was such a pall in the nation, because there was such a you know, a low point. People started to speak. Where is God? Why does not God love us this much? If God is a good God, why has this happened to me? These are the normal questions that people would ask. Are you listening to me? And here is Isaiah who's listening to this. And then slowly that same spirit infects him. And he starts to believe, where is God? Are you with me? You see, he, when he saw that vision of the Lord, he says, oh my God, what have I been speaking about God's character? Every time you and I speak negative of God's character, we are speaking with unclean lips. Because that is not the equation. Is somebody listening to me? That is not what we are supposed to be looking at the vision of God and start speaking negatively. True, there are some negative things that has happened in your life and in my life, and I'm not your personal Holy Spirit to know what those are. And besides, what will I do even if I knew? You see, with those negative situations, it is possible for us to align ourselves with the irrational rational. If there is even such a word left there. Are you with me? Actually, that's a term from physics. Are you with me? Just thinking about how this can be a rationale for you. And he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. This afternoon, the spirit of the living God 
the fear of the Lord will flow amongst us. So there are some people here who need to repent. To say, God, I've had that unclean lips. I have aligned myself with these people and I have spoken unclean things about your character. You know, God's character is beyond this stuff. Amen? God's character is way beyond this stuff. Is somebody listening to me? Tonight is that night where I feel there is a drawing for some, for some of us to come to a new place where we would refrain from speaking negatives about God. Because God is good. He, he said that prophetically. He is so, so good. I mean, those songs that we were singing are prophetic unctions. And when we are saying God is so, so good, and we are saying, if so, God is so, so good, then why am I in this place? And that's because you are looking down rather not looking up. Because we are not looking at the throne. We are looking at the mark that we are in. We are looking in the miry places that we are looking in. Look up this morning or this evening, this afternoon. Because when you look up, you see the majesty of God. You see the greatness of God. You see the awesomeness of God. And when you see that, it is almost impossible for you to speak negative of God's character. Amen? Amen? Woe is me. And something beautiful happens. And that something beautiful will happen this evening. I'm speaking it so because I know my God. I know my God. Because when you do that, God takes... He tells the, the seraphim, just one of those angels, taking coal from the altar and touches him on his lips. And he says, I've cleansed you today. And as a bonus, he says, I've purged you from all your sins. If there's someone sitting here, you know you have met Jesus. You know you have that knowledge of salvation. You know you're you're entering into heaven, but there is a guilt that weighs you down. There's a weight on your ankle that weighs you down because you're remembering your past sin. But today when that coal comes, he's going to purge you completely of your past. Because in the book of Hebrews, is, uh, he writes, and this is, God, this is God's words actually. He says, and this is God speaking, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. If God remembers your sin no more, what business do we have to remind him of our past? Are you listening to me? Are you, are you freed from sin that God had cleansed you from in the past when you received Jesus? Yes. Come on, that's not good enough. Because when you have received, when God has cleansed you, you have no business to go back because that's what the enemy wants you to do is to feel the weight of that and the guilt of that and if you're forgiven you're forgiven I don't care what you did last night but tonight if you had repented it is over because Jesus said on the finish on the cross he said it is finished tonight is that night where you need to walk out of that door with a different you make me so brave. 
that is what it is. We sang that song. I mean, I was loving it. And I said, oh, God, thank you. You make me brave. Which is the opposite of us, you and I, walking in the spirit of fear. Is somebody listening to me? Is somebody listening to me? You see, God makes you brave when you have understood in a revelatory experience that your sins have been forgiven. But only after the sequence, the only after you have personally repented. Amen? And how does repentance look like? Taking a whip and whipping yourself? Doing all this, this, some of those holy rolling types around this Sheraton commander or whatever this hotel is. I mean, that's how they used to do it before, to appease God. To somehow get your sin off your chest. But when God says, that's how, who God is, he speaks. When God speaks, there's power creative power and when he speaks that word you are purged and when he speaks that word you are cleansed from your past purged of all your sins purged that is if you really look at that word it's not a good word it's vomit He's taken all that stuff, the woman, out of you, and you're a clean vessel. Amen? Amen? You're a clean person. Oh, man, I tell you, the Bible has some really crude imageries. We're not going there. That's not our Bible study this evening to talk about the crude imageries. Maybe sometime. And then he says, I heard God say, whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Now, this is very interesting. In the same verse, whom shall I send, singular, and then in, as though God was correcting him and said, who shall, I, who shall go for us? The I and the us. Um, that's another whole hour of message, which I won't dwell in. It's all right. I don't even know what time I'm supposed to stop. Um, I'm not going there, so it's all right. God said, who should I send? Who would go for us? Here am I, O oh God, send me. Now, what is this about? You see, people think, okay, he's cleansed, so now he is clean, so we can send this guy with an authority. Uh, there is some truth to that. That is some of the theologians who come up with that commentary. Are you with me? But the real reason is this. Real reason. If you just give me three more minutes and I'll complete this. Are you with me? This is the real reason. This is the reality of that passage. You see, I've been walking with the Lord for over 40 years. And in that 40 years... I've been longing for the presence of God. I've been wanting the presence of God. About three years ago, I used to go from here, there, from Kansas City to 
uh, Pensacola to Toronto and to Nigeria, wherever there was a revival, I would want to go. I would go. And you know what was wonderful about that part of my journey? Was whenever I was in that meeting, when the presence of God would show up, I would know the presence of God is there and I would feel so good. But the moment I go to the parking lot, it evaporates. And I'm thinking, oh God. And these people who talk to me, that I enjoy the presence of God, I've been in the presence of God, and, and they were not faking it, and they, they, they were telling the truth, but somehow I saw such a huge disconnect between that and this. I don't know if that's your experience. You, you love Jesus, but you don't seem to uh, connect and you don't seem to enjoy. You know, we, we get wonderful feeling when we come to a big bonfire and when there is this great worship going on. We enjoy that presence and we actually love it. We really do. But the moment we leave out, and get into our car, it's the same old, same old world. And we feel, where is that enjoyment? The, where is that permanence? Where is that something that I long for that will go with me? Are you with me? About two years ago, I was in, in a conference. This is one of those conferences where I was not speaking at. And I don't like conferences personally, not because anything bad with it. It's the same old thing that I hear every time. Said differently. But in that conference, the speaker said two sentences. And that two sentence grabbed my heart. I chewed on it for weeks. Possibly into months. I was chewing on it. And he, this is what he said. It's not about being in the presence of God. It's not about longing for the presence of God. It's not about staying in the presence of God. It's about carrying the presence of God. Are you with me? And this is the wrestling match that I had. I said, how can a holy God land on this filthy mind of mine? How can a holy God land on this filthy mind? Now, don't try to figure out what filth this is. You just figure out your own filth. Are you with me? I'm just letting you know, I'm being vulnerable. How can the holy God land on this filthy mind of mine and care, I, to carry the presence of God? I mean, that's a whole different level and a whole different story in itself. Is somebody listening to me? And now I was wondering about that and chewing on it. And I said, Lord, land on me, land on me, land on me, land on me, God. Because I love Jesus. I truly do. And I'm thinking, God, how can this happen? Lord, land on me, Jesus. Land on me. And one day, when nobody was in my house, I suddenly felt the presence of God land on me. And you know what, man? I, I totally understand how David must have danced so obscenely. I, I was dancing, man. 
I was sanctified Bollywood dance and I was doing the dance in my house and I was enjoying the presence of God. I was just doing everything and if my wife would have said, that is not very nice of you, is not the kind, thank God my wife, there goes 20 bucks. Then I thought maybe I should go to the basement. And I went to the basement. I shut the door and it was all mine. And I was so stoked. I, I cannot articulate how that awesome feeling was. And I'm there I'm singing and I'm dancing and I'm enjoying the presence of God because he landed on me. I was asking for this and he landed on me. And I said, oh God, this is so cool. And then I went to Walmart. Because I had a list that my wife had given me. So now I go to Walmart just after this experience. And I'm, I'm minding my business. I'm taking the cart and going through these aisles. And there I see this lady. She may be in her 50s. I've never met her. And she looks at me and she's, <laughs> she starts looking at me as though she saw some horror scene. And I'm thinking, what is this about? And I asked her, what happened? She says, there's something about your face. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what, what happened to my face? that she had to cry. I, she said, oh, something. Now I'm a whammer. You know, when we don't have any answers, this is uh, one of those things that just kicks in. If you don't know anything, can I pray for you? <laughs> when you have nothing. And I'm looking at her. I said, okay, let, can I pray for you? She said, sure. I don't know where I pull, pulled this out. And I started to pray. I said, Lord, whatever she has lost, let her find it. Oh, did you know I lost something? I said, you know, I don't know. Jesus does. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, that has happened so many times. You see, when you carry the presence of God, you don't need a sandwich board that says repent or perish. I mean, people have come to the Lord that way. Some. But often it's a put off. But when you carry the presence of God, you alter the spiritual configuration right there. And you don't have to say a word. You don't have to say a word because when people see, they see the presence of God that is in you and that's upon you. And when you walk around, God does something to the atmosphere and people begin to recognize the presence of God. Are you with me? And that is because I saw my Lord seated on the throne. Tonight. Yes. Uh, 
Okay, you can ask me a question. Sure. Maybe let me finish in two seconds and then I'll come to you. In fact, I know for sure. Dear lady, what's your name? Tracy. You have no idea how much God loves you. You absolutely have no idea. This is that moment where there is an interaction. Do you know you have cried so many times. God has collected your tears in a bottle today, Tracy. And he's showing it to you to say, for these tears, I came to you. You may not have heard, I love you in the pure sense of that word. Because love has taken on a different meaning for you. But this afternoon, the Lord is speaking to you. My love is pure, pursuing, and perfect. And he loves you. Sufficient for this. this. And after that, after the service is over, in the, with the elders of the church, I'd like to pray with you. Because it's not about a visitor coming and doing his stuff and going, man. I recognize the cover of this church. And they work so hard. We can't come here and pretend that we're doing some favor. I'm actually enjoying the presence of God. You're doing me the favor. Are you with me? Y'all with me? Amen? I don't know where I was going with this, but here. I have ADD. I forget. You know, I, I sense that tonight there are three things I believe God wants to do for you. Number one, for some people here today who want to have a revelatory experience of your spiritual eye opening because you love Jesus, you do. There is no question, and I'm not even trying to dispute that relationship that you have or even minimize that relationship by even saying, oh, you don't have a real good relationship. That is super spiritual, self-righteous statement. But all I know that God loves you and you do have a relationship. But this evening, maybe there's another level you want to go into. And you want to, your eyes to be open to see my Lord seated on the throne. Maybe there's some people here sit, sitting who are still lingering in the past. Who are still lingering in the past. And wanting to know for sure whether this is reality. But let me tell you this evening, this is ground reality. This is current reality. It is 10 minutes to 6 and God is speaking to you. And your sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Tonight is that night where you need to have the assurance and the surety of you being a child of God, not a member of a church. You're a daughter of God. You are a son of God. And that is that revelation, a connecting. And finally, I feel like some of you are in that place like I was, desiring to carry the presence of God. 
And none of this is to in any way minimize you. This is not a sugar-coated message. But I sincerely believe that God is more interested in you than you have come here to worship. Because there is a purpose in your life. There is a destiny in your life. There is an inheritance that the devil is trying to rob from you. And that's what I was going to really speak on. On the seven spirits that we need to battle to get your breakthrough. But that's, that's for another time maybe. But tonight that's that. I don't know what the protocol of the church is. But somehow I feel like, you know, if you, if you are one of, in one of those categories, why don't you just stand up where you are? Or maybe even come up here. I, I have no magic in me, but I'd like to pray and then turn it over to the pastor and so that he can do the sealing of that. If you want to come up here, I want to pray for you. If, if any one of those categories, you just come on up here. Because this is a God moment. Come on forward. There's so many coming up. So many. This is a God moment. This is between you and God. And if you have been walking in a relationship that has violated something, this is that moment where you'll get strength and the fear of the Lord that you will live a pure, holy life. This is God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Pastor, I would uh, want to hand this over in a second because I feel like my anointing is lifted off. Because there's no point. I mean, I can speak, but it'll be just empty words and noise. If you could kindly take it from here as a pastor to, to bring that ceiling of that word for us. We just look to God. Hello. Why don't we just look to God in prayer? Just want to encourage you. Close your eyes. Connect with Jesus. It's Him that does the work, isn't it? You know, um, it's obvious His messengers get the ball or their car going, but it's the Holy Spirit that really finishes the work. And so, we look to you, Holy Spirit. We look to you, Jesus, to. Finish the work you've started in us here this evening. Not to a man, God, but to you we look. Lord, many of us come representing, Father, all these uh, three categories. And so, Lord, you uniquely now minister to us in that special individual way, God, draw near to us. Draw near to us, Holy Spirit. Come on, just cry out for the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a music play. If you have to cry, cry. If you have joy, be happy. Just call out to the Lord this evening. Call out to him. Jesus. We're going to tarry for a little bit. We're just going to wait. In his presence, we're going to wait in this place. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Come.
stop. Just call upon the name of the Lord. Call upon Jesus. Come on. Come on, you just build an altar here today in His presence. Talk to Jesus. Let's sing this together. As far as the east is from the west. As far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. That's how far he has removed our transgressions. Praise the 